Okay, so black beans. Start with the refried black beans or refried beans. I just need to go into a room and put my headphones on and close the door. Then we've got, is it? does it go right to sour cream or is it guacamole after that? And then sour cream. Babe, I don't like you. Diced tomatoes. I'm undecided on the beer. Shredded cheddar. I think I tuned out like 25 minutes ago. <laughs> Black olives. And Should we tell Alex Gate now that we're going to the Super Bowl together without him? Diced jalapenos. Did I miss anything in there? Hello, hello, hello. My name is Gabe. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Gabe. Maybe this podcast will make it to air. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist that Alex couldn't afford to pay. Instead, he's asked a friend, and I'm that friend, and he's very lucky to have me. It's time for Landline Sports. Three old friends using sports as a way to stay connected. With a dentist, a curmudgeon, and a Korean English teacher. Hey guys, welcome back. Happy Super Bowl week. Getting excited here in Portland. Remember, this is part two of a two-part Super Bowl pod with Mike and Chris. Moonlighting with Gabe in this episode, as well as a message from Max in the end. If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead or don't. But if this is your first episode of Landline, maybe choose another one unless you're a sports fanatic. Um, But listen anyway, it's a great show. We get into the dips and chips and gambling. So here we go. Without further ado, Landline. Landline. It's easy to be good in short spurts. It's hard to be good all the time. So, you guys, I talked to Max before the podcast started for a little halftime, um, you know, whatever it's called, halftime break call with Max, and he just wanted to say hi to both of you, so I thought I'd pass that along. Um, oh, excellent. And Mikey says he's looking forward to watching Die Hard with you and your son. Um, down oh, yeah. I asked him if he was going to go down to Chile, and he said, no, I think they're going to come up here. That was his direct quote. <laughs> Max and I, for the last 15 years, I'd say 95% of our uh, communication has been about Die Hard. <laughs> um, he's, he's, a, he's a funny one. Uh, if Everyone should check out the podcast with him from last, what, last what's week. What's the deal? He's applying to medical school? I don't know. Anna tried to tell me yesterday she thought he would be a great doctor, and then I started telling her some of the stories of him, like, covering himself with poison ivy during Capture the Flag and having, like, a horrible <laughs> allergic reaction and, like, constantly getting lost and getting horrible blisters on his feet during basic training. And uh, I think that maybe she has the wool pulled over her eyes a little bit on his general. She was like, he's so competent and smart. I was like, well. What? He slept on a pile of dirty clothes with squirrels living in it as a kid. I don't, I'm not sure that this is. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Max is very capable. I'm just going to say that out loud. But I think um, – and it's, it's a long road, so if he's doing it, that's more power to him. I think it's great. He's not capable of finding the bathroom at 3 in the morning after he's been drinking, but maybe he'd be a good doctor. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk Pats. I just am fascinated by this, you guys. I just don't see there being anything 
certainly in entertainment. Now Harvey Weinstein maybe had a had a run there, but that came crashing down. Hopefully, the Belichick and Brady era don't end like the Weinstein era. But if you look across sports, entertainment, anything that you can truly uh, compare to the NFL, so um, you know maybe that's like Fox versus CBS versus ABC versus NBC that there is all this competition naturally like naturally derived competition in the true sense of the word where people pay more to pull talent away from one entity in order to you know copycat what the other's doing in order to build their brand up to somehow surpass it the Patriots have continually over the last you know now it's longer than 15 years it's going to be 20 years by the time it's over continually be been the best run organization with the best execution and the best production and results for 20 straight years in a league that is designed to make teams go up and down with being good or bad uh free agency the salary cap and also the draft if you're the shittiest team you get the best pick in the draft and you ultimately should be able to, with the co- contract structures and with the agreements between the NFL and the Players Association, you should be able to pull good players away after their rookie contracts, cash in on their learning at one team, and and really you know be able to blow your team up and be good for a few years based on a bunch of free agents coming in. And yet here we are again, and no one, whether or not the Patriots win this Super Bowl, which I think is going to be a good game and we're going to talk about, no one is able to even compete with them in just the consistency and people might say the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Ravens, it's not true. Like look at them year to year. They do not have the same excellence year over year that the Patriots. Why does Belichick succeed so well at getting people to act in a way that they won't act in other situations? When people come to the Patriots, it doesn't matter if they have a personalized AK 47, like James Harrison or they got in a drunk driving accident like that guy Michael Floyd from Arizona last year, or they had a domestic abuse case against them like Corey Dillon did, I believe, or drugs or whatever it happened to be. Sorry, Corey Dillon, if you're listening. Um, They are able to get everyone to fit in a box, and I'm just fascinated by that. Why do you guys think that happens? Because it's not as simple as saying this is how we do things. Uh, There's got to be some sort of more strategic – forces at work that enable them to have this level of success year after year? Like, that's a really good question. <laughs> like, a good answer to that. I have no idea how they're doing it. I mean, it's just, I, I, you can see it working now because they have all this momentum behind them. So you know that when someone comes into the locker room, if they're not exactly on the same page, they're gone, you know? Um, but what I don't understand is, how do you create that um, kind of atmosphere? Where, where, how do you, how do you get that going? Um, now it's like they do this, they can tweak and they can tweak it, and you know it's the, the train has already left and it's rolling down the tracks. But um, it's just, it's just incredible that uh, because before this organization was so horrible, you know, for our whole lives. Um, and then, you know, Bar- Parcells, Belichick comes in. But it just... But Parcells could never... I mean, Parcells doesn't really hold a candle to Belichick anymore. 
There's no, you know, it's great that Parcells took, you know, three or four different teams to championship games or the Super Bowl, but Parcells is not Belichick. Belichick is operating on a different level. It's a different I agree. He's the most successful organizational mind I've ever seen in my life. And it's people like him who should be the president. Um because I agree with that. Forget about politics. It's <laughs> like he gets people to do what he needs them to do based on the way he wants them to do it and the results are are exactly what he, he intends them to be at least in the in the end um and it's insane i mean we have everyone else comparatively in society is inept at this stuff if you look at you know the daily goings on of washington there's no one imagine bill belichick in like a congressional meeting it, it's a completely different landscape yeah but i mean that i think that comes down to motivation like What's the motivation for Belichick? What's the result? The end game for him. The end game for him is winning and then winning a championship and then doing it the whole same thing over again. When the end game for a lot of the politicians and all, I mean, what you're talking about, I mean, these guys are really worried, self-serving, a lot of them anyway, so they're just worried about very different things than you and I and probably every other person in this country is worried about also. So, I mean, I think going to your question overall like mike said the, the train left the station a long time ago but i really do think that bill parcells plays a role in the success of this organization because a lot of the guys that were there when bill belichick got there were drafted by him or brought in by him and belichick may have tweaked a little bit and got really lucky with tom brady coming aboard you know but like a lot of those guys that were the foundation of kind of the patriot way were guys that a lot of those guys were there before Belichick you know was even part of the scene so you know i mean i think you know Belichick's incredible and he's a great coach but you can't separate Brady from that equation and you can't separate like like Belichick always says it's the players that you know do the playing you know and it's it's Belichick that tells you what to do and puts you where and makes you, you know, puts you in a position to succeed. But at the end of the day, it's those players on the field that have to execute, you know? Yeah. And, and we'll never, all the hypotheticals go on forever and they're kind of boring, but this idea of Brady obviously being the great executioner, right? Belichick could get them to be down by Belichick himself was the one who maybe got them to be within a game or within a, a touchdown or 10 points in every fourth quarter of these Super Bowls, but it was Brady who pushed them over the hump. And then, like Mike said, and I think it's a great point, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you win a Super Bowl, everyone's looking to you for the way to do it. And that way, when you coach them the next year, they're like, well, they know what they're doing. Even if this isn't what I would choose on my own, clearly they know what's happening. And Brady's ability to just execute so incredibly well in those moments is what is the deciding factor. But Belichick found Brady. Brady was was the last, basically the last guy picked in the draft. And let's say Arizona picked him in the fifth or sixth round, or Chicago. I don't think he ever gets the opportunity to have this success. And I don't think that there's any way to isolate one from the other. And Belichick's success is definitely due to not only Brady but other players. But it was Belichick who decided not only to draft Brady, not only to give him a chance, not only to kind of watch him in practice and and actually evaluate him from a completely neutral position so it didn't matter i'm not evaluating this person from their background their college their 
success in college, their success in high school. I'm only evaluating them for what they do right now, right here, right in front of me based on what I'm asking them to do. And then he stuck with him against what, to that point, it was probably the best Patriots quarterback. I mean, I don't know Steve Grogan that well, but in the modern era, uh, Bledsoe was far and away the best quarterback that any Patriots fan had ever seen. And so for Belichick to pull that move and say, this is the guy who can execute my plan the way I want. And in fact, he even has killer instinct on top of it to do things that other people can't do. And that I personally can't do in those situations. That's a pretty unique skill set, And I guess there's no way to say it was luck or it was skill or it was planning or it was strategy, but it's one thing to have that happen over a three or four year period. It's a whole nother to have that happen for 20 years in this industry i mean even the simpsons the simpsons is like the longest running show on television episodic comedy on television it's not good anymore right no so it like matt groening and and sam simon and whoever writes it they, they weren't able to attract the talent attract the production people show the scope get the show scheduled together they weren't able to execute on this level every single year forever and, you know, with Garoppolo, it looks like maybe Belichick would be able to do it for another 15 years. So and who and nobody had heard of Garoppolo before he was drafted. And and I, I just think that it's insane. It's like this guy is a one in a million character. He is everyone hates him because he's a dick to the media and he wears the hood. And I mean, that. how about that cutoff sweatshirt he wore after the Jacksonville game? That is a podcast oh, right. right there. All oh, right. <laughs> that is like. That is like 80s YMCA pickup basketball style. So I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything else we can say about it other than it's crazy. And shouldn't we all strive to be that good in our separate areas of expertise? Or should we not because they're too because it's too stressful? No, we sh- absolutely should. I wish I was as good as good of an orthodontist or as good of a anything as some of these people I mean, these people are so dedicated you watch tom versus time i mean that guy's whole life is circling around this football game you know like it's it's the dedication the the enjoyment they probably make grant they're playing professional sports and i bet that's probably easy to get motivated for but i mean i'm just i'm impressed by this this run this organization it's so fun to watch i'm glad i was i think you know, God, whatever that means for for making me a Patriots fan every day. Look at it; it's awesome. Michael, any commentary on that one? Well, I don't know if I want to thank God, but having <laughs> 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 to be a Patriots fan. But I guess I think that one thing that you can take from this is, uh, you know, talent will only get you so far, and no matter how talented you you are. You, you have to be able to take criticism and to be coachable. You know, the great thing about Brady is that he still takes pointers. He's still improving. He's still tweaking his game after all these years where I think anybody else would have a huge head about it and would be like, no, I'd do it this way. But it's incredible that he sees that um, what has made his success is that he's listened to these people and he's taken in whatever they've given him and you know made the changes that they wanted to him to make on the field so and i that is also the epitome of belichick's success and that is a larger lesson way beyond sports which is 
he would happily take people who will listen and work hard and try to do their job and give them a chance to execute it to the level that he wants before he is signing someone that everybody knows about and has supposedly done all these great things in other places. And I think in sort of it's a true meritocracy. Um, and how often do we see that or not see that, I guess is a better question in the world we live in now. It seems to all be about your reputation and what other people are saying about you and whether or not you have a lot of buzz around you and whether you can create a lot of, you know, hype and, and eyes or ears or whatever, uh, in social media or on television or even just like in brand recognition. I mean, you look at like food or fashion it's all about what everyone's talking about, and no one really knows what's actually going on on the back end, whether or not the company's profitable or running in a way that should be respected or doing things for longevity, keeping the strategic advantage long into the future. That's the beautiful thing about, uh, about Belichick. He has kept his advantages. He's been willing to trade away what he feels are either overvalued or, you know, um, replaceable parts and it's made him just be good continually and i think that's something that's really hard for a lot of us to do in the world it's good to be good it's easy to be good in short spurts it's hard to be good all the time and i there is some element of pissing other people off that happens and i don't think he gives a fuck about that so or at least he's able to manage it in a way where it doesn't affect his next action step pretty powerful stuff um, and that goes right to the Garoppolo trade. So, Mike, you don't get to talk Patriots. You're in Chile. You've been lamenting how it sucks that you don't have a bunch of people to watch the games with sometime who actually know what's going on. Your wife hates football, um, and she hates you watching it probably. So um, what did you think of the Jimmy Garoppolo? The thing that was kind of interesting to me is that I've always thought of this as Belichick and Brady being attached at the hip. Because for me, it, it didn't make sense that Belichick, after Brady, would want to keep doing this. I would never saw that that's what, what he wanted to do. Um, but I thought that one of the really interesting things in the article, which I hadn't thought about, was they talked about Belichick's two Is it two sons are coaches on the team now? Yeah, Stephen and Brian who I've played yeah. video games with in my youth. Yeah, um, I'm sure they talk about it now, too. Um, uh, they, what, what, what kind of was the thing that he mentioned in the article that I'd never thought about was kind of Belichick letting his sons eventually take over the coaching responsibilities and then him taking over kind of like a Tom Coughlin-type job now where he's kind of overseeing things in there, but he's not in the day-to-day. Um, I think but, that's a stretch. I, I think that's a stretch, but really? Well, I don't know. Steve, it, Steven Belichick is th- probably 30 or 31. I'm sure he's a smart guy and knows a shitload about football, but it just seems, uh, doesn't that always seem like it, it doesn't work that well? Like, you know, it's like but, yeah. when you're like, like, I guess John, John Thompson, the third at Georgetown is a good example, but or like Buddy Ryan's kids were Rex and, and Fatso, whatever his name was, um, Rob. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine a world where you just went Belichick to Belichick and it, and it worked. But maybe it could happen. Well, I mean, I just thought that that might, might have been his plan or whatever. But 
it, it just seems like why would it, why, what else does he need to prove? Why does he need this team to be so good for 15 years down the road? I've always thought of him just playing this Brady as a, a like situation out as long as he can and then hanging it up afterwards. Isn't that what you would do? I think he's obsessed with the process. I don't even think he really even cares about winning. I think he I mean I think he likes the reward of winning, but I think he's all about leading up to obsessive perfectionists like him if you could monitor their brain i better living on a little bit more of like a happy note when they're actually like planning and producing and executing than when the result is in and and so i just think he i don't know what that guy does if he's not coaching but um but yeah i i guess i think there was an element of that's a nice story but but i i do i i think it's a that's a great example of how like all the fans and all people like us who can put ourselves in their shoes mentally but really have no idea how to do what they're doing i think we just associate like nice stories with how the way people actually act and i think in fact walking off into the sunset with brady is less attractive to him than proving that he can do it with another quarterback but i don't know i mean there's plenty of sports radio out there talking about this baker what did you think about sort of the media driving a wedge into the Patriot dynasty. I think you probably took that pretty personally. Well, yeah, it's just go, just like everything else. It's people have an opinion when they don't know anything that they're talking about. I mean, these guys have been together for 18 years, and my parents' marriage didn't last that long. You know, I mean, I think it's natural that you'll have some discomfort or you know problems, you know, especially as Brady has gotten older and – definitely has his mind wrapped around like the certain way that he prepares himself. And you know what? I mean, the, is Garoppolo going to be better 10 years from now than Brady? Absolutely. Just because he's going to be younger, but you know, you, there's really no guarantee that Garoppolo is going to do anything in the NFL. You know, we don't know that yet. He hasn't really played that much. I mean, he has a really small sample size on him and you know what? Tom Brady's earned the right to play his final games here, if it's the next three years, if it's the next five years, if it's the next one year. Like, I really feel that, like, he has earned it. You know, he's given us so much. He's given that organization a ton to, like, root for and enjoy and be a part of it. And, like, this, you know, this whole idea, I mean, someone had, someone had to go. You couldn't, you couldn't have kept two quarterbacks next year and paid them both a ton of money. Like, that's just the reality, right? So... Yeah, I mean, it was super annoying listening to all these stories, especially like Seth Wickersham's story, which is like more of the same kind of unnamed sources, quote unquote, you know, saying this is what they're, this is what the hubbub is. Like, I don't know. It's, it was frustrating to read, and, you know, just another distraction, trying to tear down the 500-pound gorilla, you know. Well, and... Ultimately, it worked in their favor. They got all fired up, and now they won three or four or five straight, and they're in the fucking Super Bowl again. So, right. I mean, like that's like like you'd almost like you'd think they'd learn their lesson by now. Like, if you want the Patriots <laughs> to fail, like just don't say anything. You know, don't don't talk, don't say anything. Like when they lose, like just say they lost and move on. You know, because anytime they like these. These like especially these ex players, you know, they're the funniest that like lost to Brady for their entire career and now they're sitting on some sideline with a mic in their hand or the one saying all this stuff and they I don't know. Flame. 
All right. Well, we're going to um, break the the fourth wall of landlines here, and we're going to do something I don't really approve of for the show, but we're going to do it, which is we're going to call Gabe, our famous friend in L.A. right now, and we're going to put him on speaker on my cell phone, and we're going to see if we can patch him in that way. Oh. Here we go. Hello? Gabe? Hold on, I gotta call back if you're gonna want me on the podcast. Gabe, our famous guy in L.A. Why, are you pooping? I just need to go into a room and put my headphones on and close the door. <laughs> Alright, Gabe, go put your go, go put your headphones on and, uh, and like, shoot yourself up with some uh, taurine or whatever and call us. Alright. I can hear. But I'm, I'm used to talking to Korean kids, um, who can't speak English very well and who don't speak very uh, uh, loudly. So <laughs> I'm able to understand stuff like that. Mike, you've got some insight on Philly fans. Can you – oh, wait, hold on. Here's Gabe. Let's see if we can do this. Gabe? Hi. Hey, have you met Gabe? All right, that's it. Gabe, our famous friend in L.A., is on the phone. He's also our bookie, and he also actually produces successful media. So um, – Gabe, what's the word on an, on the gambling front for Super Bowl? What Super Bowl is this, by the way? 52? 53? 52. Is it L-I-I? L-I-I. Last year at this time, you were getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. This year, you can't. Um, are you disappointed? Are you excited? Do you wish you were going to a hotel room for a week to see guys in gold jackets? Or what's the story? I like the idea of going to the Super Bowl, but I don't think it could top last year. So it's just like, why go to something that will just be a letdown? What's the scuttlebutt? What's the insider scuttlebutt on Super Bowl Minneapolis? What sort of details can you give us? People are saying a lot of good things about the stadium. But it's fucking cold. That's the problem. Radio Row is at uh, the Mall of America. Is that, Do you know where like the main hotel is? Like, Is there going to be a green zone like there was in Houston? Yeah, there's a green zone, and then all of the like everybody gets on a bus and goes to the stadium. So it's not like it's like hubbub around the stadium. It's like downtown Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then they take a ride over. And what's up with the uh, Bruno Mars concert? What about the pop up concerts the week of? Pop pop up Taylor. You gotta ask your sister about that. That was the best part of the week. That was amazing. Well, no, the best part of the week was the fourth quarter in overtime. But um... that's true. That's true. So, Baker and uh, Mike, you got any insider famous person media questions for Gabe? What's, why don't you guys get in on this? <laughs> Baker? Hello? There's, they have nothing to say to you. Hold on. Is this about Tom versus time? We haven't gotten into Tom versus time. We're just talking about how amazing it is that the Belichick – uh, era has lasted this long and that there's no can you think of any other equivalent in entertainment that's had such a sustained run of success that's what we've been talking about and I said I wish Belichick was president and we talked about whether or not we trade Trump for uh, Roger Goodell as president I said yes and the two of them wouldn't really answer I mean, like, what, is Belichick like Steven Spielberg? Except Steven Spielberg's made a bunch of, like, shitty movies, too. So it's like, nobody's just made unstoppable great movies like Belichick. Harvey Weinstein, I said. Yeah, Weinstein. 
Baggage. Um, so we've talked about that. We've talked, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I'm not going to like redo the whole podcast for you, but, um, let's talk gambling. What's the, what are, what, what are, what are, what are the whales doing? Where's the line right now? What do you think some exciting prop bets are? I've got the, all the prop bets loaded up. There's so many of them. It's going to be hard to get through. I mean, the, the we know the line is minus, is settling at minus five right now. And like heavy Patriots betting should happen. Yeah, the Patriots are going to win by more than five. What is the? Go ahead. It, I, like, I guess there's a chance it gets like people start convincing themselves even more of the Eagles, but I, I don't see it going below five. All right, so it's Pat's minus five. Um, Mike, how are you feeling about that? Uh, I actually, I think the Pats are going to kind of pull away with this one. I want to, I want one Super Bowl where I can kind of just relax and just watch the third and fourth quarter and know that they're going to win. So I think they're going to, they're going to pull away. I hope they get up like by 10 and then just keep cruising for the rest of the game. So, and that way I can joyously drink instead of nervously drink, which is um, not as uh, pleasant. Gabe, Mike has to explain to people from Chile how football works while he's also watching the game, so it's a pretty stressful environment for him. Are there nachos there? I'm, I'm going to make dip. I'm going to make taco dip. So, yeah, it'll be... Seven-layer dip? That's culturally insensitive, Gabe. What's the... Uh, let's talk menu, boys. What's everyone's favorite? And we'll get back to the prop bets. I have a couple I want to ask about, but... If you had to pick one Super Bowl item that you can't live without, let's go around the room and uh, check it out. Um, Baker, what's your favorite Super Bowl food item? Mrs. Venti's seven-layer dip. Okay, so black beans. Start with the refried black beans or refried beans. Then we've got, Is it? does it go right to sour cream or is it guacamole after that? And then sour cream, diced tomatoes, shredded cheddar, Black olives and diced jalapenos. Did I miss anything in there? Gabe, you're a gourmand. What else would you want? I, I counted. You just hit seven, but I feel like we're missing something. You can also... Mike, uh, Mike makes, it, makes it pretty good now, so... Mike, what do you got now? Chile, you, you've got a different food supplier down there. Is Kroger down in Futalafu yet, or what's the situation? <laughs> they haven't made it down here. Mine's so... Like, I have to start buying stuff now, because there's... It's so hard to get things down here, but I do... Um, a hot uh, taco dip, which is cream cheese on the bottom, uh, beef with taco seasoning mixed with salsa, and then cheese and jalapenos on top. But getting those items is is very difficult. So I might have to special order something from uh, like the big city near me, which which, <laughs> which will be interesting. <laughs> Make sure you explain f- explain football to them when you're ordering. Say it again, Gabe. Does Amazon deliver to, to Futa? They, some things they deliver, but not not normally. And now that the road through Chile has been uh, basically knocked out, so everything has to go through Argentina, has made uh, everything down here much more difficult. Um. All right, oh. get, Baker. What's your food? My food. Yeah. Um, what do you What do you eat at the Super Bowl? I, we all know you're like doing kale shakes for breakfast and raw ginger for lunch right now. But if you're gonna 
Are you, I guess, A, are you going to drink a beer on the Super Bowl? We want to know about that. And, B, if you're going to have a cheat day because the Patriots are playing in a Super Bowl, what are you going to eat? Um, I'm, I'm undecided on the beer. I haven't really made that decision yet. Um, I mean, I could. It's, it's Like I said earlier, it's not like I'm, you know, against against drinking. It's just, you know, maybe maybe I will, maybe I won't, based off how I feel that day. Um I would like a nice big burger, nice big burger with some melted cheese on top, some some avocado, and uh, you know side salad. And yeah, that's about it for me. I, side I really salad, <laughs> side salad, side salad. Yeah, no, you know what I would really like? I would like some of Scott's some of Scott's scallops wrapped in bacon. All right, scallops wrapped in bacon. I think you can make that happen at home. You bake them, they'll come out great. Yeah, that'd be good. All right, Gabe, we know you've got a whole list of food items you can't live without. So what are you going to do? My go-to Super Bowl dish are short rib nachos. Whoa. Oh. Tell us more. So I spent, I spend like, 24 hours braising short ribs, and then I get, like, special tortilla chips from, like, the Mexican stores. Like, would that have, like basically like double layer heft to them so they can hold all the short rib and then super sharp cheddar. If I want to be healthier, I'll do Greek yogurt instead of sour cream, even though it's not healthy to do the whole dish. And then I'll put uh, diced avocado on it. And it's always a winner. All right. That sounds delicious. Well, I think mine is, I don't really have a signature item. Of course, I like to have like five or six things that I'm cooking at once to get me really stressed out and miss the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, braising meats is a great idea. Also, smoking meats. But I'm really into the chicken, the buffalo chicken dip, where you're oh, got yeah. the, you got diced diced chicken that you could even have, you know, you could marinate it and then pan fry it or grill it or you just you know do whatever you could stew it even and then you're mixing it with the cream cheese and the other cheeses maybe some diced jalapenos um and then baking that with some cheese on top and having a nice hearty tortilla chip to eat it with um and maybe you could dice some celery and carrots fresh on top um i guess blue cheese would have to be melted as well so that's a, I think a, a a better way to get a big mouthful of that uh, that buffalo flavor. But um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think it over. I don't know. There might be vegans coming to my Super Bowl party, so I'm gonna have to factor yeah. that in as well. What the fuck? <laughs> all right, Gabe. Before we let you go, prop bets. Uh, Patriot. Alex, hold on one second. Now, okay. are all those items locally sourced? Well, we that that actually spins into the topic I wanted to talk to you guys about, which is the commercial. If if a commercial was funded and you had 30 seconds and you could direct the you know crew led by Gabe to make the best commercial of all time, what would you choose the commercial to be about? Well, my first thought, of course, would be Landline Podcast. I would I would have like kind of a theme similar to those old like animal abuse um, uh, PSAs where there would be like a really sad sort of somber like deep piano bass line and like some pictures of like people with cell phones at the dinner table, people with cell phones at the beach, people ruining hikes with cell phones, people texting and driving. And then that would transition to like where the dog at the MSPCA gets a nice home. It would transition to like people playing board games, 
people swimming without their cell phones. And it would be a big thing for a landline podcast. But my second idea would be basically listing all the other companies that were advertising their food products during the game and then just juxtaposing their logo with like diaper wearing illegal Mexican immigrants on the poultry line, like slaughtering as many chickens as they could um, and having to you know pee in their pants because they didn't get breaks and a giant like drone shot of an algae bloom in the Mississippi River killing all the shrimp because of the fertilizer runoff. So I think that answers your question. You can't. I just bought five locally raised pastured uh, free range organic chickens at the farmer's market and there was a sale and they were all they ended up being only 12 bucks a piece. That's pretty good. So I could debone those, Chris, and then maybe have like a local hot sauce that I'm making my my buffalo sauce with. Um, but yep. anyways, so anyone else have a commercial they want to honor? Gabe, we're on like hour one hour and thirty minutes of the podcast. I think these guys are fading pretty hard right now. I know. I think I tuned out like twenty five minutes ago. Probably <laughs> didn't hear anything, Alex. Just all right. Perfect. <laughs> doesn't matter it's fine 12 bucks a pound all right Gabe tell us about the props how much for the Patriots to score in the first quarter they haven't scored in the first quarter for the last three Super Bowls Jesus there's like 8,000 props I'm just gonna like spin the wheel and find one that's interesting okay all right oh here we go New England scores in every quarter plus 190 New England has a scoreless quarter minus 250 not very good odds on either of those, do we think? What's the great... Every quarter. I feel like that's fucking a slam dunk. Yeah, score. Yeah. They're scoring. Yeah. They haven't scored in the first quarter in any of the Super Bowls. That's obviously like... That's crazy. But this year, I think it's going to be different. Well, we have a gambling pool going on between us and all our friends, and it's a pretty tight race at the top. What is the strategy to win that pool, Gabe? Do you think everyone's going to take the Patriots in this final game? It's all tied. I'm thinking about taking the Eagles. I'm not going to give away my strategy. But one thing I'm working on are tiebreakers. So I think we're going to have like a set of like five prop bets each that we have to turn in. And then the winner of all of those will be the tiebreak. All right. Well, that'll be riveting content. Um... Can, can one of the those be if there will be jihad in, in Minnesota this week? Wow. What's the good question, Chris? Way to get us back on track. What are the odds on Jihad in Minnesota, Gabe? Is that on Bavada right now? I'd say it's like plus 8,000. Like eight, a good 80 to 1. <laughs> uh, now, if you bet on that, if you profit from a terrorist attack, I think that kind of that puts you in Dick, Dick Cheney territory. So <laughs> you might not, uh, might not make it all the way. All right, Gabe. Well, um, keep us informed. Thanks for all the celebrity ins insider gossip. MVP quickly, because okay. this is an interesting bet here. Brady. So it, Brady is minus 180. Horrible odds. Then it's Nick Foles plus 300. And then after that, the next person is plus 1,500. So it's like heavy oh. QBs. But can you guess who plus 1,500 is? Uh, Amendola or Deion Lewis? Deion Lewis. That Baker, what's your guess? Brandon Cooks. You're all wrong. Gronkowski. Nice one. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rob Gronkowski. Now, what about Gronkowski to play? Is that is there a bet there? He played practice today. Fine. 
You think that guy's going to miss the Super Bowl? I think that guy's had a concussion since he was 11. So. Well, exactly. Like, what's his baseline? Like, how are they even going to, like, test him, you know? <laughs> so when I worked in the hockey shows, like, all of the players, because they take your baseline at the beginning of the season, and they would, like, get questions wrong on purpose. So then when they got a concussion in the regular season, like, they would be stupid from the concussion, but then they'd still get the same questions wrong, and then they'd be able to go back and play because their baseline was go. low. There's your concussion protocol at work, everyone. Um. All right, Gabe. Well, thanks for chiming in, and uh, good luck with your um, Super Bowl party in Malibu or wherever you're doing it. Um, and uh, we look forward to you know a recap on the braised ribs. Those sound actually delicious. Thanks, Tom Brady plus four thousand to score the Patriots' first touchdown. I would love a Tom Brady running touchdown. That would really fire me up. Where he like spikes it. All right. How about that? How about that, like, third and three last week from the Patriots, like, 13-yard line that he rushed straight ahead for a first down? God, so that was amazing. Hey, hey, Gabe, should we, tell Alex now, should we tell Alex Gabe now that we're going to the Super Bowl together without him? <laughs> don't, I don't want to do it in a public setting like this. If you got, I'd be happy for you guys. I can't go. I've got a wife downstairs who just texted me saying I need assistance. She's got two... Feet that were operated on yesterday. She can't walk. She's got. We've oh. got a nine-month-old baby. There's zero chance I can go to the Super Bowl. So I have no anger in my heart if you guys are actually going. All right, we'll tell you later. Okay. Did you? Do you know that there's a guy named Wendell Smallwood in the Super Bowl? He's plus four thousand to score the first touchdown. He's a good back. I, <laughs> he's a good back. Gabe, have you ever witnessed in your all your videotaping of? sporting events any like major issues in philadelphia that you think are of note just in terms of how asshole-ish their fans are i mean i spent a month there with the flyers and there's probably some stories i can't share here but i'd say it's not pro me too movement if if you if you had to (laughs) if you had to like rank sort of like the dirtiest fan bases in terms of just like drunk fighting throwing beers you know the Famous story about snowballs at uh, Santa. Obviously, Philly's in there. Who else is in there with them? Philly's in there. I mean, like, Boston's definitely in there. Buff- oh, here's a good one. Like, right. Do- Dodgers, Giants, big time. That's when, like, they bash their heads in for no reason because they're both bad at sports. All right, well, with that, we got to go, Gabe. Thanks for joining us. Um, and, uh, you know... Maybe this podcast will make it to air. <laughs> Baker, Baker, don't have kids. Yeah, uh, I've avoided it so far. Good job. All right. All right. Bye. Gabe. All right, guys, we got to wrap it up because i got to help Anna. But uh, let's just do previews here. Mike, Get you know, Super Bowl Sunday, give us a three-minute uh, three minute hit on what the plan is, your excitement, and what your biggest fear is. Um, uh, I'm going to have a keg ready. That's part of the thing I'm doing today is I'm bottling a keg or, or kegging a keg. Um, get a lot of food kind of ready this week. Have a bunch of gringos over to the house on Sunday. And I guess my biggest fear is that the Patriots go down and it's, uh, uh, you know, even if they're behind in like the first two quarters or something that like that, I'm afraid I'm going to have 
maybe a few too many drinks and start yelling at everybody and kick them out of my house and blame them for the Patriots losing. So that's, that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. But as I said, I think it's going to be the Pats get up early and they kind of run away with it. All right, Baker, what about you? So Super Bowl Sunday, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I'm going to keep it pretty straightforward, kind of keep it simple, and like we've been doing it all year. I don't like to mess with things. Not ever since Mike left our group and went down to Boston <laughs> here in, it, in 2007 and ruined the Patriots' perfect season. Um, I'm going to ski in the morning and just come back and get settled in and and probably just take it in from home. I think it's going to be 31-14 Patriots in a runaway. Wow. All right. I am going to cook a bunch of fun food starting in the morning, uh, probably drink some Budweiser just because you can keep going with them and um, doesn't put you in too much of a hurt locker the next day, and uh, probably get the grill going, some dips, a lot of selection. I'm all about the selection. Listen to WEI on the app in the morning and in the afternoon. Hate the TV pregame. They have nothing to add. And, uh, yeah, have uh, a couple families over, including Mitch's family with kids. Um, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and have kids at my Super Bowl party. I'll turn the volume up louder if I have to. And I'm trying to have a good attitude and not make it make it positive intense instead of negative intense. Um, but with that, thank you guys so much for being on Landline Podcast. I really appreciate it. Great episode. Remember, other episodes available wherever you listen. You should subscribe. Tell a friend. Our numbers are growing. 503-894-8480 is the landline. Thank you, Mike in Chile. Thank you, Baker in New Hampshire. Thank you, myself in Oregon. Um, And maybe we can check in after the Super Bowl for a quick hit and a celebratory clinking of our proverbial glasses. Alex, can I just tell you the funny story real quick? I was at this dental conference yesterday in Boston. I ran into Dr. Cohen, who's now retired, and he was telling me that his, in his second career, he wants to be like Rick Steves. Amazing. But literally, those were his words. And I was like, that's hilarious. I'm so glad you just told me that. Rick Steves, he's doing it all. Uh, Mike, have so much fun. Thanks for carving out time. Good luck with the beer. Baker, enjoy a relaxing afternoon and some skiing tomorrow, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, I love you, buddy. All right. Love you guys, too. Talk to you later. So there it was, folks. Maybe not as exciting to some of you as porn festivals or traveling to Iran for diamonds or chugging monster in the parking lot at Sheets, but it was something. It was sports, and it is Super Bowl week. Remember, part one available on iTunes. You should subscribe wherever you listen to your shows. Call the landline, 503-894-8480. Last thing before we go, a short clip from the halftime break last week with Max, the end of the conversation we had, and you can listen to Max's episode on whatever you listen to your shows on. It is last week's show. Thanks for listening to Landline. See you next week on Tuesday. That's right. We will see you next Tuesday. Go Patriots. So... I may have told this story on the podcast before, but when uh, I've been to Yankee Stadium a few times for Red Sox games, and I was completely verbally assaulted by some classic New York, New Jersey Yankee fans around the God Bless America standing up and taking your hat off thing. 
hey, take your fucking hat off. Take your hat off. Hey, remove your hat. And, like, I tried to go to the bathroom and these, like, dark-haired Italian New York types got the cop to, like, stand in the aisle so that I couldn't leave during God Bless America to take a piss. Uh, which is, like, the ultimate epitome of grandstanding, in my view. But When did that happen? I haven't heard that. I think that was just a regular season game, Red Sox-Yankees. And, you know, the, post 9-11, there's nothing New Yorkers like doing more than showing everyone that they have more patriotic pride than anybody else. Uh, but yes, uh, one thing I noticed on the podcast is you didn't use that uh, Bush nine eleven speech as my intro. I thought we were going to do that. I forgot, but that uh, we can do it in the future. I'll I'll put it in right about at the end of this halftime. That or um, uh, Black Velvet by Alana Miles. I don't know. I'll look it up. But that reminds me of a better story, which is when Gabe and I, and this is going to be a sports themed show, when Gabe and I went to games six and seven of the ALCS in 2004, the year that the Red Sox finally world won the World Series. We were up way up in the left field bleachers in the nosebleeds with seats that we had bought before the series. And we had Red Sox t-shirts on, but we had sweatshirts over them because we were so petrified of the crowd. Yeah. And they were calling. Gabe had his big, you know, 21-year-old Jufro and he was they were calling him curly all game and asking him if he was a virgin and then finally one guy stood up when the game started to get close before A-Rod slapped the ball out of whoever the first baseman I think Menkavish or somebody's hand maybe it was Millar um and then everyone threw bottles on the field and that's when basically the Red Sox fortunes turned and they came back and won and blah 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 but um Somebody finally stood up and said to Gabe, Go back to Beacon Hill, you fucking Democrat. <laughs> and uh, that's when finally this guy behind us turned around. And he's like, hey, I'm a Democrat. It was a Yankee fan. Um, but I'll never forget that. Little did they know that you and Gabe were actually from somewhere that's far more of a left-wing enclave than Beacon Hill. That's right. All right, well, I got to go. I got to call these guys, but uh, any parting words? Any Super Bowl? What's your favorite Super Bowl snack? Um, I like the seven-layer dip. Um, as far as the podcast, it seemed like uh, it wasn't very funny. Like, I feel like our, our pods should be, like, funny, like joke joke pods. So, like, maybe we could do some more joke-making. You didn't think it was funny? I think, do you want to know what I thought the best joke of the entire podcast was? What? When I called you back after the echo and you said, thanks for taking my call. Oh, yeah. Comedic timing on that was perfect. Wait, have you talked to Saul since the whole thing with you hanging up on him? I did manage to compartmentalize the the feud to the podcast and get our real-life relationship somewhat back on track, so... That's good. Good for ratings. Everyone loves palace intrigue and infighting and media situations. So I think that that'll drive the hits and we'll, as we continue to get closer to Rick Steves. Uh, but I think that um, our personal relationship is relatively repaired. And I know that because he sent me a selfie of him with his long-haired exotic cat 
and he was wearing some sort of camouflage full-length yoga pants and he asked me if his ass looked big so i feel like that means our relationship is weird back where it needs to be yeah that's weird now are you about to talk to uh mike and chris yeah three-way nice will you say hi to them for me yeah mike's bottling 200 liters of beer later today jesus Yeah. yeah me and mike were talking about um when his son uh gets older uh, we were going to watch Die Hard together with him. So, so you're excited. Yeah, something you, to look forward to. Are you going to go down to Chile for that? No, I think they're going to come up here. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with your cold. Uh, thanks for podcasting last week. Remember, people, you can listen to Max in full, talk gun control, talk, analyze my psychosis, talk about toxic shame, amongst other things. Wherever you listen to the show, subscribe on iTunes or subscribe wherever you're listening so that the new shows just pop up every Tuesday because you know that you can always see us next Tuesday on Landline. And remember, call and leave a message, 503-894-8480. Max, why don't you start leaving some more messages on the Landline? I think that would be a nice feature for the show. I think I left one a while ago. Not good enough. Not good enough. Why don't you save this number as landline, and then you can just punch it in when you've got something that you want to leave in terms of topics that we can talk about next time we have you on. Uh, Yeah, we'll see. I'll think about it. (laughs) All right. Have a good Saturday. Okay, bye. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline. I had to talk to Alex alone for like 12 seconds. It was it's so the worst. Awesome. It's the yeah. worst. Ishii, we love you.